0: So,
1: who I, who are we, You? Any more you? Anybody else? Back when it was in Latin still?
2: I was a kid, I was in Latin. Anybody else? You and you you? Yeah. If we had cell phones back there, my number would be Ecum Spiri 220. Not everybody will get that, but it, you get it, right? All right. All right. Woo! Well, I could just say this at this point. Barbara and I have so far enjoyed ourselves really, really pretty good. And I hope, I hope you realize that we're in a very, in a kairos time in our walk with the Lord. I mean, a kairos time is a, there's chronos, that's chronological time. But a kairos time means a special time for a special purpose. And you need to take advantage of what you're supposed to do because that might come out again. What you're supposed to do at a special time is pretty important, and I'm glad that we're here, because I think it's, it's our time to be here, so we just want to thank you in advance for, for uh, this far, anyway, so,
0: whoo,
2: can't turn off those songs, they just keep working, right? I have to multitask. Deception, misdirection, confusion, and division are are tactics that the evil one has used from the beginning. True discernment, not judgmental opinions, true discernment is critical to be able to navigate in this hour. Discerning really what's going on and what we're supposed to do about it is so critical. And discernment is not a reaction to what we see or feel or how it, it affects things. It's seeing it God's way. Seeing it by the Spirit. discern. I think one of the most important gifts and maybe least emphasized is, is the gift of discernment of spirits. Uh, you can discern human spirit you could discern the Holy Spirit and you could discern real evil or the spirit of the world or flesh, all those things, but a lot of people are just like like a pinball machine reaction bouncing off this bouncing off this to this we need to stand still and discern what God is doing in the midst of what's happening. Would you agree and again it's 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 the kind of thing that it's always a a learning process i I tell people when I, you know, I, I one of the teachings that I do in the prophetic is called uh, maturing in the prophetic. And I, I would start by saying, I'm not an expert. X means has been, and spurt is a drip under pressure. So I'm a learner and a follower of Jesus and others that he has helped me and I help other people in this learning, journeying with the Lord. And there's always more we can learn, but there's a lot we already know, and we should use what we have and ask God for more because we need more. But the enemy likes to make us feel we're desperate, it's hopeless, it's confusing, you can't trust anybody, what's really true and all that? Okay, that's confusion, and that's misdirection. And then he uses division, oh, don't be like them, be like this. You know, It's all this stuff, it's wait a minute. What's the Lord seeing and saying and how do we respond to that? So uh, I think it's important and I just again I think one of the one of the greatest getting into alignment things is to worship the Lord and then respond to the Lord in the midst of that. And you know, we did some of that this morning and we're gonna keep doing more of it as time goes on. Where is my regular B I B L E? It's a big Bible. I've got to make it vanish. Oh, there it is, right here. Beats of prestidigitation. <laughs> all right. This is my pocket Bible. I actually like real Bibles. I appreciate all this electric stuff. All, you know, but the phone is too little for me to preach out of. I'm just not. Gonna... And I like turning the page. I like underlining. I, I like looking around. I mean, if, if you don't like your Bible, change. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and... and no, just love your Bible. This, is, this will never get old. This, this is not a book. This is a living document. I cannot tell you how many times I've absolutely been blown away by opening this Bible and reading something, and maybe something I read before, but then suddenly, whammo, it jumps out of the page and it has a, a specific meaning at a specific time. So just please read your Bible. Is that okay? All right, so uh, I've always been fascinated with, uh, in the Gospel of John, from about chapter 12 through chapter 18, I look at that as this is Jesus, you know, you have the synoptic Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which seem to have a similar rhythm and a chronology and a way to tell uh, the message of Jesus and the history and all that. But John's is a little unique. I think it's the most personal about Jesus, and it certainly is unique. You see things there that you don't see in the other Gospels. Uh, Of course, there's things you connect together, and and that, that works really well. But in chapter 12 through 18, it's Jesus preparing his disciples for his soon departure, and his resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But in this, there's a lot of stuff going on in the middle of his disciples, and we're going to track on that and and see how that applies to today, and and where the focus is, and how there's a redemption in all of this. So if we, I'm just going to, some of this, you know, it's very dangerous for me to just go fast, because some of this stuff... You could park on it and and really kind of elaborate, but just for the sake of continuity, we're just going to track. Okay, so I'm going to start back here a little before uh, John 12. And as we do this, I want you to turn on your inner screen, and some of these things, I want you to literally try and picture what's going on. How many can do that? Okay. Uh, Okay, close your eyes. Picture a Coke bottle. Raise your hand if you can do that. Picture, uh, picture a sunrise. I mean, Picture—I don't want to say president because we get in political trouble. <laughs> picture Abraham Lincoln. You did that. So, so this thing works. I mean, you're, it's amazing, isn't it? Amazing how that works. I don't know. I don't think scientists can tell you, how it works, but it does work, right? And in every every language, it works. Okay, so so you can, so you just turn on your screen and when we read. Just look at the real people and what's happening. Uh, I'm going to back up a little bit to introduce this part, beginning with the resurrection of Lazarus. You know, it's uh, I'm in John 11 here. I'm gonna skim a little bit. It's interesting. Do you ever consider? How many ever consider? What do you think the greatest miracle in the Bible is? Let me just give your opinion. Is it a forgiveness of sin described in the Bible? I talk about miracle though, like a thing, like a like a, a, a physical miracle. Water into wine. It's good, really good, actually. Raising the dead was pretty good. Birth of Jesus. How about, and I, I got this from a Bible, a real Bible scholar, the incarnation of Jesus and Mary, I think, is probably the greatest miracle in the Bible. And I believe it literally. I believe he was conce- she was conceived by the Holy Spirit that God became man. I think that's the greatest miracle. And all the other stuff comes out of that, but it had to happen. That miracle took place to bring everything into being that's redemptive. So we thank God for all the miracles, but isn't it, isn't it, it makes sense to me anyway, but maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. At any rate, so Lazarus, you know the story about Lazarus, he died, and Jesus comes, and uh Mary and Martha were really troubled. You believe that? Jesus and the boys are out of town ministering, and they send word to him, "Master, your friend Lazarus is really, really sick, and they're asking you for to come and heal him." And Jesus, now, now, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were not just people. He didn't score. He went there to get refreshed. They were friends. He went to their home. He was received. That was a place he would go to be at peace and be comforted so this was a friend of his and he hears that he's really sick even unto death but he doesn't go he stays there longer and after two days he's, he said he gets it he says okay we gotta leave and they're in the middle of good ministry and and he said uh Lazarus our friend is, has fallen asleep and he said well he'll wake up we're busy here we're ministering we got over on the radio we got stuff going on here And he goes Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake that you, we weren't there. And so he gets going, and, and then one of them says, let's go, and let's die with him. It's like, you know, they didn't get it. How many realize a lot of times the disciples didn't get what was going on? He comes marching in there, and, and so Martha comes running out to meet him, and he, he talks to Martha, and she's saying, Master, if you'd have been here, you know, you'd have prayed for him. He'd have got healed. And he gives her a tremendous exhortation about resurrection and life he says, he says I'm the resurrection and life, and he tells her all this stuff and, and she still doesn't quite get it but he's trying to comfort her and then someone tells Mary she's inside the master is here and he wants to see you she runs out and she comes to Jesus and she says master of you, and, and, and she says the same thing and then it says Jesus shortest verse in the Bible John eleven thirty five. 35 Jesus wept he wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead He was crying because Mary and Martha had to have momentary suffering as God was doing something greater than just a healing. So in our suffering, we need discernment about what God's doing because there'll be confusion, there'll be misdirection, there'll be misunderstanding, and there can be division because we're not getting it right what's going on. So he tells her about the same thing except... It says that he groaned in his spirit and said, where is he? And actually, in the translation, it's he groaned with anger. And he rolled away the stone. Lazarus is raised from the dead. It's amazing. And, uh, now, the response after that is that many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did and believed in him, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them that Je- what Jesus did. And the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come, and they'll make us wear masks and stay inside. And we'll come and take away both our place and our nation. And then one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You, will know, you know nothing at all. Do you not consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish? Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied. But it didn't do any good for him according to salvation or eternal life. He prophesied. He declared something that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for the nation, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered. Then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. And there remained the disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and he went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves, and they sought. They sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, they should report it that they might seize him. So with the increase of the popularity of Jesus and the wonderful work of raising a man from the dead, causing many Pharisees who were not believers to believe in Jesus, the enemies... Plots increased in intensity. And it amazes me, the very people that you think should have been convinced that it was a good thing, they got worse. They're going to take away our religious business. They're going to hassle us. So what are they going to do? They're going to kill the messenger. So Jesus comes to Bethany. Now, Now we're in John 12. He comes into Bethany where Lazarus had been dead, where he had been raised, and, and uh, they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus and one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary, Mary of Bethany, took a pound a very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, one who would betray him said, Wasn't this oil not, could not be sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to pilfer it and take what was in it. And Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you'll always have with you, but me you do not always have. Then it repeats again the plot to kill not only Jesus, but to kill Lazarus, because the faith in the people was rising. Interesting. Uh, If you you weren't here this morning, Barbara's class on prophetic gestures, one of the greatest prophetic gestures in the Bible is what Mary Bethany just did. She doesn't say a word. She doesn't work a miracle. But she comes... And breaks this expensive alabaster jar, this box, and wastes, pours the whole thing on Jesus. Maybe it was her wedding dowry because she wasn't married yet. Maybe it was the most important thing she had. And she has no problem. Worship is wasteful. You pour it out and you don't limit it. Huh, I'll just worship a little bit. No, she wasted her valuable possession, and she ministered to Jesus. How would you like it on your resume? What did you do? I brought comfort to Jesus before he faced his worst hour. <laughs> she doesn't do one miracle. There doesn't seem to be anything outstanding about her in this act, except in, in this beautiful scenario, the central figure in this is Mary you got you've got G- Jesus you have Judas and you have Mary but the central figure is Mary what she did to Jesus and then in Mark's gospel well, it's amazing and then well, of course Jesus says you know to to uh to to Judas Leave her alone. And I'm reading, I'm reading uh, Mark's gospel in the Passion Translation. Why are you so critical of this woman? She has honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. You'll always have the poor, whom you can help whenever you want, but you will always have me. When she poured out the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body in advance for my burial. She has done all that she could do to honor me. And I promise you, As this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. Her single act of worship, ministering to Jesus, is supposed to be mentioned with the preaching of the gospel. Anointing Jesus. Pouring out herself to comfort Jesus. Pretty amazing. So, <clears throat> then, what happens right after this is jesus 's triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, what we call uh, Palm Sunday comes you know he pr- prophetically tells somebody to go get a donkey, they ask you what you 're doing, stealing a brand new donkey say the master has need of it they 'll get it so, you know, it's, it know, 't it much isn 't amazing how the bible doesn 't have all that much detail on some things. I love it, you know. And uh, so he comes in, Hosanna, blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, uh, when he found out, the young donkey, blah, 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 and his disciples, listen, his disciples did not understand these things at first. When these things were going on, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the people begin to hassle, and he says, if these, he says if they, stop these kids. Hosanna really was more of a war song. Was more of a, of a, of a militant thing. Like, Here comes the king. Blah blah blah. And he says, if, these, if these don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. I mean, we, we take that. That's not just. That's just just a metaphor. That would have happened. <laughs> Somebody would have honored Jesus, marking the rocks themselves would, would have cried out. That would have happened. But it didn't happen that way because the little kids did it. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him, for this reason the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, therefore, said amongst themselves, See, that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The significance of the message of the gospel is hated by the prince of this world. Dull people, passive people are no threat to the advancement of the for the kingdom of God to overthrow anything that the dark side has control over. passive, dull of hearing people are no threat. Do what you want, have all the dead church you want, have all the religion that you want to play with it's it 's pointless and it 's powerless they 're not going to bother you, but when something critical, is on the rise. The enemy rises up in a rage and begins to uh, make alignment. Even in this scenario, the last week of Jesus' life, Herod and Pilate never liked each other. They were in competition and jealousy. But in the plot to kill Jesus, they became friends. So the evil unites to come against God's plan. You had a religious spirit plotting against jesus but they could not kill him because it was illegal they had to have the roman they had to have the gentile the the roman government the corrupt ones plot with them to destroy jesus but god the holy spirit had something else going on so jesus comes in there rides on the donkey and then he begins a discourse of dialogue with the disciples Uh, On verse 23 of John chapter 12. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies and remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am there, my servant, will be also. If anyone serves me, my father, him, my father will honor. These words are gold. You know people if anyone hates this life in the world, it may sound like an exaggeration or a hyperbole, but it means we love the life we have while in the world serving Jesus. This world is not our home. you've heard that, I mean? We have a home in Tennessee, but my citizenship is heaven, and in some sense, America is the old country, (laughs) but to walk in redemption, we got to have discernment, and he's giving us, he's giving a discourse of preparation to his disciples, preparing them for some suddenlies that are about to happen that are not going to be easy to handle. He said, now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So he says, now my soul has been troubled. So Jesus had feelings like you. How many, here, how many in here could identify saying sometime that your soul was troubled? So his response to being troubled isn't blame-shifting. It isn't being a victim. It isn't, God, where are you? He says, God, glorify yourself. Then something kind of wonderful happens. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. The people, therefore, who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. There's three times in an open heaven where the Father spoke. Once, the first time, was when he was being baptized by his cousin, John. And he got a pretty good prophecy. He hadn't done anything yet. This is the prophecy. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Most people be on God TV. Call up to 700 Club. You've got to hear this testimony. It says he was led, uh, King James says he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, and it says to be tempted of the devil, but actually, Mickey believes, is more direct, I th- he went into the wilderness to pray over that prophecy, to discern what to do by it. He went and he fasted and prayed for 40 days. In that time, of course, there was three temptations, which he was victorious over. The second time the Father spoke from heaven is when he called Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and And, you know, they wake up, somehow they fell asleep, and then they woke up, and there's Jesus glorified, he's got Moses on one side, Elijah on the other, Moses representing the prophets, uh, the law, and Elijah representing the prophets, and then Jesus, and then Peter, having hoof and mouth, shouldn't be talking, he interrupts them talking. (laughs) He says, it's really great that we're up here. He said, uh, Let's start three denominations. We got one for you, Mo, Mo and one for you, Lige, and, and we'll get a really big one. For you. And then a cloud comes down and said, This is my beloved son. Just cool it and listen to him. The cloud goes back up. Jesus is back regular. And they come marching down the mountain, you know, and, they, and Jesus says, Don't tell me about this until later, until I'm risen. They are clueless of what all that meant. They experienced it, and it gets written about later, but they didn't get it at that time so that's the second time of course then the third time is this one says my soul has been troubled and he says glorify your name (laughs) and when it says that I have both glorified it and will glorify it again I want to add to it again and again and again and again he's been glorifying his name for 2,000 years (laughs) This voice, didn't. now Jesus speaks, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. In other words, he's saying, I was troubled, but I didn't need it. You needed to hear this, and I'm telling you something that's going to help you. Now the judgment, now, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world has been cast out, and if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he did signify by what death he would die. And the people answered and said, We have heard it from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus says to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Remember that. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you'll become sons of light. These things he spoke, Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Jesus continues uh, speaking. Jesus... um, You know, the rulers are still conspiring and all that. But Jesus has words to say to disciples, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. And he whom sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me does not and does not receive my words, uh, has that which judges him. The word have I have spoken to you will judge him on the last day. I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command and what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And, of course, Jesus, uh, celebrating the feast of the Passover with his disciples, finds an upper room, and of course, we know that he does another prophetic gesture, a demonstrative act, by washing his disciples' feet. And if you know the part of the culture and all that, there's usually a servant there to do that. When it says men were reclined at the table, the furniture was such that it was, it was kind of a, uh, an outdoor, like a chase lounge, going backwards. You would lean out, and your feet would be away from the table. Because you're walking around in sandals and in dirt and animals around there, and the bottom of your feet would be dirty, your clothes would be dirty, and someone would wash feet. But Jesus, there was no one, no servant there hired. He gets up, and puts a towel on his and he goes washing his feet. Of course, Peter goes crazy. No, don't wash my feet. He says, I, I need to wash your feet. He goes, well, then wash my whole everything. He said, no, the feet's enough. And he goes, he even washed Judas's feet. He says, I'm teaching you something really important. He says the greatest is a servant of all. He is the king of all. He's God, but he came to be a servant to set us free from sin and to empower us. with. He came as a servant. Remarkable. So he washes their feet. He said, Do you not know that I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, you say and and you say, Well, for I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do this as I've done. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is greater than he who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed if you do them. Then Jesus identifies his betrayer, Judas. You know, but the Hugh dips the bread, et cetera. They don't see him. They think he's going to make some kind of financial deal somewhere. He did, but that's that's not what he was really doing. So, so Judas is out of the picture of the ones he's talking to, and he says, "Now the Son of Man is glorified." I'm in chapter thirteen, verse eleven verse thirty-one. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall not be with you just a little longer. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that you also love one another. By this you'll know... uh, All will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's time and Peter blurts out, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said, Lord, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow, So you have denied me three times. Then Jesus says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Then Thomas speaks up and said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus says this. This is a keeper. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, back here, when it says, let not your heart be troubled, Jesus is still talking to Peter. And Peter had just revealed he doesn't know what's going on where are you going why can't we follow this peter you don't you're not gonna believe this (laughs) but you're gonna before the rooster crows in the morning you're gonna deny me three times it's like no i'm not if there was anything peter was secure about was his commitment to jesus but did they know what was going on did they know what jesus was preparing them for no they were still counting on him being a Davidic type of a messiah, a conquering type of messiah. He's greater than a Davidic messiah. He's greater than a military conquering. He's greater than somebody with a better vaccine or a, an economic answer. He has got something to solve all problems. And he's been preparing them for this. As you'll see, he continues here just in these chapters. It's almost all read. This is Jesus' last discourse to his disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. It's sufficient for us. Have you been so long with you? Do you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does these works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe in me for the sake of the works themselves. Do you know how, hard, how strong God's heart is for people to believe in him? Here's Jesus facing something that they don't know what's going on. And he said, my soul's troubled. He's actually, he was troubled. It wasn't just a moment. Pressure was coming to bear against him. But he says, Glorify yourself in me. But when they're questioning him like this, he goes, Just believe in me. And just believe in me. Just look at the works I do. He wants people to believe in him. If he wants people to believe, if he wants people to believe in him, what should we want for people? What should be our perspective to people, even the unbelieving people? Even when the works that just preceded this caused so many former pharisaical unbelievers to say, "That must be the one. Even though the pressure was building to kill Jesus, people were building a momentum of faith. Now he's telling them, "Just believe in me, don't stop just believe or because of the works, I am who I said I am." So he keeps speaking to them. And he, there's wonderful things, obviously, in this. Most assuredly, who believes in me, believe in the works, etc. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, "And he, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. A little while longer, the world will will see me no more, but you'll see me because I live, and you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I in you. Who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus goes on speaking. He said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And we'll make our home with him. Jesus gives a gift of peace. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Or let it be afraid. Again, I want to reiterate, even though Jesus is preparing them and he's describing certain things to them, they do not understand what's happening. They don't get it. Maybe Mary of Bethany got it because she anointed him for burial. Maybe she believed what he was saying. Maybe she was the one that really did believe ahead of everybody else. But he says again, let not your heart be troubled. He knows that their heart is going to be troubled momentarily, and uh, as he's walking across from where they were, it passed through the Kidron Valley. If you've ever been to Jerusalem and you're by, but you go in front of the Eastern Gate, there was a valley there, the Kidron Valley, and there was vineyards planted there. As he's walking by. He gets a download and begins to give an exhortation. As he's walking across through the uh, the Kidron Valley, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean. I love this. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I really believe this way back in my early walk. That anything I'm gonna do that's any value is because I'm drawing it from Jesus. Even if I learned how to do something and try it on my own, it's pretty much a dud. We always must draw our strength from the Lord Jesus. As the, and then verse 9, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. In other words, stay in the love of God. Stay close to God. Abide in my love. Just as, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you my friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. It's a little thing I said a couple times last night or this morning, whatever. When you get a revelation, when it's for you, Say, that's mine. That's mine. It's personal, and it's powerful. Don't let it pass by. Say, wait a minute. That's for me, and that's for me to keep. I love this. That you may have my joy, and that your joy be made full. Barbara's giving me cheat sheets. This is wonderful. Get some water. And he goes on to explain some more things to them. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love its own. Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus is speaking to his men, saying, to these disciples, preparing them in this last week of his life. Forty percent of the gospel of John is the last week of his life. So these words, this discourse... Should be for us very important in the personal relationship with Jesus' department that we have. These things are all true for us. These words of life from Jesus. Jesus, uh, I love that, okay, verse 26 of, of the 15th chapter. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also bear witness. Because you have been with me from the beginning. For people... Okay. I don't understand this. How people could actually be born again and actually have read the Bible or listened to teaching and think that the Holy Spirit is not the most important thing that should happen to you after meeting Jesus. I don't get it. Everything that he's doing in preparing them for success in the midst of adversity is because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to be given. He's preparing them, yes, for something that's going to happen very shortly that's going to be very confusing. But he said in a little while, you're going to have joy and it'll overflow because the Father is going to send him, the helper, and that, you know, the word paraclete, one who comes alongside. The Holy, Sp- the Holy Spirit is under the impression that he is God. He's not the force be with you. He's not kind of God. He's God. And he's been given for us. And how someone says, well, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. I don't like it. It's like, I want all of it I can get. Every bit of it all the time. Every, I, mean, I got touched by the Holy Spirit in worship 30 minutes ago, maybe 20 minutes ago. I got new stuff. Some of those songs I knew, but I knew them different tonight. They were for me tonight, personal. That's because of the Holy Spirit. How could you not want the Holy Spirit? That's not like, like I said, I don't need oxygen. I, I do need oxygen. I don't want oxygen. If you don't want yours, I'll take it. I'll get all the oxygen I can get. I don't know. I just, you know. Doug, do you get that? How could, how could somebody say, well, we just don't want the Holy Spirit here? We don't. Why come? Why be here? Let's go watch football. Let's go play Go swimming, but I love the Holy Spirit. I love people coming together when the Holy Spirit comes. I love being alone when the Holy Spirit comes. I love being in my car. The only valuable thing you can do in a car is praise and worship God when you're stuck in traffic. Turn that booger up and just rock on, whoa! You know, I don't get it. I don't get why people don't get this. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus given us all the help that we need, and we do need it. Now listen. Verse 16. A little while, and you'll not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said amongst themselves, what is this he says to us? A little while, you'll not see me, and a little while, you will see me, because I go to the Father. And they said, therefore, what is it he says, a little while, what's he talking about? What is he saying? And Jesus knew That they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while? You'll not see me in a little while. You will see me? I'm telling you, guys. I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child... She no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until then you have had nothing, nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive. Your joy be made full. These things I've spoken to you in figurative. But the time is coming when I no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I'll tell you plainly about the Father. And in that day you will ask in my name. I do not say that you shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me. And believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come back into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you're speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe you came from God. He said, Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come that you'll be scattered, each to his own. You'll leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer, or be of good courage. I've overcome the world. That used to be my first card, John sixteen thirty three. Not because I'm so spiritual. It's because I know what tribulation is. And I prefer to abide in him in peace and try and struggle and figure it out on my own in tribulation. This world tribulation means to, to be crushed, pressure to bear, like putting your thumb in a thumb screw or if you've ever been, in, in, if you've seen an olive press, like in like in in the garden by the garden tomb, uh, or by the garden of Gethsemane, they even they even uh, what's the middle of the olive called the, the the pit? They even get oil out of the pit. That's how much pressure they put on it, and that's really some good oil that's in there, but. The pre- How many of you know what tribulation is? How many know what pressure is? When well, you feel everything coming down and you get squashed but he says, abiding in Him, you can have peace because He's overcome the world. I mean, woo! More abiding, more staying in God. Be of good courage. Take. Be a good church. I have overcome the world. He's preparing them, and now we go in to the high priestly apostolic prayer of intercession. John 17. To me, this is the most important prayer in the Bible. Verses 1 through 5, he's sanctifying himself. And he said, um, verse 4, I want to be able to say this sometime in my life with integrity. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I want to say, I know that there's a lot of blank space, there's a lot of total empty spaces before I knew the Lord for 19 years. And even since I've known the Lord, Every space isn't full, but I want to finish what I was sent here to do. I want to finish well. I want to finish stronger. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. To be honest with you, I want—I want, to, I want my, best days to, my best days to be now and what's in in the near future. I want to glorify God, and I want to get it done right. And so His words to me are very personal. He's sanctifying Himself, and then verses. 6 through 19, he's praying directly for those disciples. He's, Great things. And I tell you what, you can personalize all this stuff. You can really personalize it all. And verses 20 through 26, most amazing. Listen to this. It's good news. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. And I in them, you and me, they be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire also whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I love the verse where it says, Father, I desire. Does that bring confidence to you that this prayer for you is going to take place successfully being filled? Because Jesus said, Father, I desire. And these prayers that he prayed about his disciples, that it applies to you, the same it applies to any disciple back then, that the burning heart of Jesus is making provision. First, he's sanctifying himself. Then he's praying directly for those disciples. But all, is going to believe through there, word. that means from there for 2,000 years, everybody who would believe in the word for the future church, he's taking care of that in prayer. And he's consecrating that with his own life. saying, Father, I desire. Can you picture that? Can you picture Jesus praying this? high priestly prayer of intercession on behalf of all of us. So then, he, Jesus goes to the garden. He crosses over the Kidron Valley, goes to the garden, which he and his disciples entered. Of course, Jesus, having betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often, Uh, would go there to pray. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers and chief priests and Pharisees, came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, will come upon them. He went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? Now, we know that when Jesus goes to pray in the garden, in the the other accounts, He says to them, just give me a sec here. Two, it says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, them, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, "Pray that you may not enter into temptation." And he's withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and I knelt down and he prayed, "Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." Then an angel appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and came to his disciples,
1: he found them sleeping from sorrow. He asked them to pray. He wanted support. He was
2: personally struggling because of the pressure coming to bear against him was even to Jesus unbearable. He's crying out to his father. there's any way this cup can pass, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. He comes and he finds them sleeping. So the temptation, he prayed that they would not, he he says, pray that you not fall in temptation. They slept because they didn't know what was going on. They were sorrowful because they didn't understand what he was talking about. Where are you going? How can we not find you? What do you mean you're going you're to leave and come back? What do you mean I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to deny you? None of that made sense to them. They were counting on Jesus bringing the kingdom of God into fullness according to the promises. They were, they were looking at him being a Davidic type of a Messiah king to come and overthrow all the bad stuff and set up the government that he promised. But these things that he was saying to them troubled them, and they were in sorrow. You mean you're going to go away? We're not going to know how to find you? What do you mean you're going to go away and you're going to come back? What does that mean? We knew they didn't get it. We knew that they were beginning to move into a kind of a a shock of disconnect. And then what happens? A huge crowd comes, about a 1,000 people with lanterns and torches coming to get him. And he stands up and he goes, who'd you come to look for? He said, leave them alone. He says, we're looking for Jesus now. I am he. And when he says that, and I know... People argue about this. I believe all 1,000 were slain in the spirit when he said, I am. They got back up and, and you know, they took off. The 11. There was also a teenage kid hiding in the bushes in a bed sheet. And, says, and he runs away naked. That's all they say. They don't explain anything more. That was John Mark. I I, I want to go to heaven and get the DVD. I mean, see this kid hiding in the bushes and then somebody grabbed him and runs off. And it doesn't explain anything more. But he also wanted to be a follower of Jesus, but they were all, according to prophecy, scattered. And he was left alone. And
1: then, of course, Peter denies Jesus.
2: And after the third time, and the rooster crows. And Jesus, before on the praetorium, before before his accusers, turns and looks at Peter, and he goes out, and he weeps bitterly. See, Jesus told him, let not your heart be troubled. Forever. It's going to be troubled momentarily. You're going to be really bummed out. You're going to really be disconnected. You're going to really feel disoriented. You're going to feel that you were already operating in division, when you denied me. Oh, even your accent. He, no, I don't even know him. They cursed him. He said, what are you talking about, bleep? He says, I don't even know him. His failure was so bad that he didn't think he was a disciple anymore. Of course, we know the rest, that Jesus
1: is crucified. And the only one there at the end was John.
2: And he's taken down in a hurry because it's Passover. They rush him and put him in the the tomb of uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And we know that two and a half days go by. And we can just imagine how perplexed the scattered disciples were. Everything they had believed in had been shattered. They had invested their life and their commitment in Jesus the Lord being the fulfillment of all the promises of God, and it was all over. Everything they believed in must have brought so much confusion and and disorientation. They didn't know what to do. So they're all hiding, thinking that they were coming to get them next. Then Mary Magdalene, by the way, there is no documentation suggesting that she was an immoral woman. That's Catholic doctrine. She was Mary Mag- She was named after a region, Magdala, up from Tiberias there on the coast of the Galilee. She probably was a woman of stature. She was delivered to seven demons. We don't know which ones, but they've tied all the different Marys together. There's six of them in the New Testament, and they mix them all of them together sometimes. It's just wrong. This woman devoted to Jesus. Of course, she was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the cross. She gets up early on the third day while it's dark to come to the tomb where Jesus was. Because to her, a dead Jesus was better than no Jesus. And she just wanted to have proper care for his body with aloes and ointments washed and prepared out of love and devotion. She didn't care what the threats were. She was the one that came, risking her life. And when she came, in her sorrow, the tomb is empty and she thinks somebody's like, (laughs) she's Where have have you taken him? Where have you taken my
1: Lord? He says one word to her. Mary. It's him. Rabboni, Rabbi.
2: And he says, don't cling to me. I'm not yet ascended. I always wondered about that. It wasn't anything about hugging, I can tell you that. What it really is, is a purification for a priest requires ten days, or seven days, of being Purified. Because on the eighth day, Thomas shows back up again when he wasn't there, when he's appeared to him. He says, you can, stick your, you can touch me now. Because Jesus, I believe, as Jesus was on the earth, this is Mickey's just the, could be wrong. I think I'm right, though. <laughs> Jesus operated as a prophet and as a priest. And he was, he, no, he became a priest when he ascended into heaven. He was a prophet. He was the prophet. He was the model prophet and he was he was being prepared for his heavenly priesthood he's a priest a high priest forever and he'll never be replaced according to the order of melchizedek at any rate so mary what I'm trying to Teacher, there's a title to this message or this. I've looked at these scriptures over and over. I just got something new last week. These people had to process sorrow, they were processing sorrow for those days. And Mary was also processing sorrow. Would you agree with me? Her devotion to Jesus was bringing her there to do something about the rushed body of Jesus being put away in burial forever. And then she sees him alive. She says, it's me. He says, go and tell the disciples and Peter I have risen. See, Peter didn't even think
1: he was worthy to be a disciple anymore. So Mary comes back, of course, and uh, she tells
2: him tells him that he's risen, that she's in a vision. You know the angels. Why you, why you look at Seek the living amongst the dead. He's risen, just you know. And this is good news. This is really good news. And she comes back, and the gospel is preached for the first time by Mary, saying, "I have seen." The Lord, the gospel, the cross is the epicenter of the universe. You know, the resurrection, there had to be the cross. The cross was everything. The cross canceled. The, con- the, the cross paid. The cross did all that, and His resurrection proved the new covenant promise. And, and the first time that the gospel was really preached, when she said, "I've seen the Lord." She processed her grief. She suffered
1: during those days. She was shattered during those days. Mary and Martha were having grief about their
2: brother, but they were processing their sorrow by listening to Jesus. But when Lazarus was raised, they were restored, and they had hope. But then when Jesus was killed, you know, like a week later, they had sorrow. If we don't process sorrow, and that is associated also, how many know that emotions go along with sorrow? And some people, because being pastors, they can tell you, when you go through like a tragedy, a family thing, and some people seem to get over it, they bury their feelings. But their feelings are buried alive. And if they're not processed right, they're going to come up somewhere, and it's not going to be healthy. It ain't going to be healthy. So Jesus, from John 12 until this point, is trying to prepare them, knowing they're going to be sorrowful, knowing they're going to be confused, knowing they're going to be battered. Be of good courage, I've overcome. I've taken care of you. The Holy Spirit's coming. You don't get it now, but you'll get it when he comes. You you know, Where are you going? What are you doing? How can we find... I am the way, the truth, and the life. Keep your eyes on me. You're going to get shattered for a couple of days, but you're going to really... Really, your sorrow will be turned to joy. They were worn out because of sorrow, because of not understanding what was going on. They were were just playing it out. But Jesus, being the Lord, was taking care of them. He was preparing them for a life of victorious living. So, So you know the story that... Mary comes back, tells them what they've seen. Peter and John go running. They come back, not getting it. Then there's another great story in Luke's account. Two disciples walking on a road called Emmaus. And they're walking together, and a third person comes up to them and says, Hey, what's going on here? He said, said, What things? He goes, Are you a stranger here? Jesus, who was a prophet. Now he's a was prophet. No longer Messiah. No longer the way he said we thought he was going to bring the consolation, but so many days have already happened. And he was a prophet great and indeed. But and not only that we got some, some really, really strange women that went up to Grants Pass and uh, telling us some things. They're really out there. These chicks wound up. They said they see vision of angels and that Jesus is alive, but you know it's been three days and Jesus says oh you foolish and slow he didn't say nye, 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 you foolish and slow hard belief he loved these these two Cleopas and the other disciple Cleopas, Cle, he, Cleopas is the one doing the talk and he goes and beginning from there he preached while it was necessary for him to suffer from, from Moses to, from all the prophets why it was necessary to suffer why the, why the Messiah was and so they still didn't know who he was and he's walking and they're going to turn to where they live and he's going to pre- pretend like he's walking further and they go no no more, Lord! Come on, that's that's where more Lord didn't start in Toronto. It started back then. More Lord, more. Keep telling us more. He said, oh, "Come on!" And so you, they sit down, and you got some matzah, you got breaking bread, and, and as Jesus breaks the bread, their eyes are opened, and they realize it's the Lord, and he disappears. And there's two broken pieces of matzah float in the air for a second, and they drop. Down. They go, No! Oh! It's true what the women said. It's true that the gospel is preached in one sentence. I have seen the Lord. That's now true. They were processing sorrow and not getting a victory. But they said, didn't his word burn in our hearts when he was explaining the scriptures to us on the road? And they strapped on their Reeboks and they ran the seven miles back back into the city Bust them with the disciples, and, and now they're not talking about a dead Jesus. It's true. It's true what the women said about Jesus. Man, he's alive. And when they spoke that, he appears in the middle with them from behind closed doors. Now, this is a stretch, but I like it. Where did Jesus go when he disappeared? I think he went inside those two. And when they were confessing Jesus is alive, boom, he appeared. I know that when they did talk about it, he did appear.
1: And they, they, their sorrow turned into joy.
2: Yeah, Today's 9-11. I watched some of the stuff last night in the TV. This morning I watched a little bit. It is appropriate to remember what happened in this nation. It's important for us to try and discern what's going on and not become a knee-jerk reaction to what's going on in, quote, the media or somebody else's opinion to have discernment, okay, this is what's going on and what to do about it. Our nation has been disturbed for a long time in a general sense. And I believe there's been too much passivity in the messages of the word of God and that people are dull People are passive and slow. People need to be activated. What Jesus was telling them, look, something better is going to happen. You're going to have sorrow for a little bit. It's going to turn into joy, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be lit up, and you're going to go forth and do great things. Greater things you're going to do than I do. You know how many people are are not processing sorrow in this country, and I'm talking about pastors and leaders and speakers. They're dull, and church is boring, and there's no ambition and there's no zeal and because people are asleep from sorrow. People to be shaken awake with the joy of the Lord. Preceding this is an amazing verse in John twelve. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Would to God that the population of Grants Pass would want to go to some place where God's present. They would expect, they would say, I want to go find out what this is all about. And it would come up and say, Pastor Doug, we wish to see Jesus. Come on in. And enter in. Because experiencing God and having faith and abiding Him is the only way we're going to process anything this world throws at us. Yeah. Abiding in Him. Living in his, his people of his presence and busting out and doing something with what we have. When we have it, when we have opportunity. Too many people are waiting to see what's going to happen. I want to be the tip of the f- spear. You know what a leading edge is on an airplane? What, it, what that does? An like aircraft, what the leading edge does? It's the front edge of the wing. Why, I've been trying to explain for years to my wife how this fat, stubby airplane can fly. She's four physical laws. <laughs> Thrust, weight, lift, and drag, okay? The reason airplane flies isn't because the radar is pulling us to what it says on your ticket. That's not why. And it isn't because of, the, of all of, of that loud noise coming out of, of the jet engine. It's because the leading edge breaks up uh, the, 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 the wind that it's flying in, and it reduces the pressure above the top of the wing. So the airplane lifts up. How could this fat, chubby airplane full of people and luggage and gasoline fly? I love it. And it's amazing. Look at these little stubby wings. This big, fat thing is flying up in the air. It's because taking the pressure off causes it to be lifted up. So if in the world there's tribulation, be the leading edge. Don't be passive and wait. To see, your, your fat airplane won't fly. Lean into the wind. There's going to be people who are going to be the leading edge of breakthrough. There's going to be churches that are being the leading edge of breakthrough. And they're going to rise above the pressures of this world. The more we talk about this world, the more you're going to feel its pressure. The more we believe that things are so terrible, the more they are going to be terrible. When we can abide in the Lord and have discernment on what to do about it, we're not going to be a knee jerk reaction to somebody's opinion. We're going to respond to the Word of God. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. We want. Your telephone, okay. All right, I got some more scripture. Are we doing okay here? Everybody, nobody's mad, are you? Anybody mad? <laughs> I, I just want to say, how many of you get that? How many ever saw that before? They fell asleep because of their so- they were mixed up. They were perplexed, they, and and they fell asleep. I think the church in America, in a general sense has been too dull. Their senses are dull. Hebrews 5, verses 12, 13, and 14 says, by now, you people ought to be teaching the word. He says, you need baby food and not steak. He says, is it those who have their senses sharpened by use, by do- not being passive, by doing something, has their senses sharpened. That word senses is a Greek word, osteterion. It means organ of perception. Everybody's got one, but if you don't use it, your volume is down to zero. If you don't lose it, you're not sharp. You're dull of hearing. It says you're dull of hearing. People are dull because they're not using what we've been given. Mary woke up from her sorrow when she saw the Lord. That's why I say, if you experience something, God say that's mine. And don't, and don't, don't doubt it. Don't wait for your mind to play mind games with you. Just say, "That's mine. I'm taking it." It goes inside of me. I'm keeping that. We had a phone call and a prayer from a dear friend of the Hendersons, and he, he had he I believe he had he had a, a word word of the Lord for us. He said there needs to be an, like an icebreaker in this region. You know what an icebreaker is? Like up in the Arctic Circle, this boat. Bust through this big, thick stuff. And so other, it creates a path for others to navigate through. We need a breakthrough in America. Yeah. And evidently, there maybe needs to be a breakthrough in this region. Mary went to the garden out of, out of compassion about Jesus. And she became the leading edge of breakthrough. She got to bring the message, I've seen the Lord.
0: <laughs> Woo!
2: They believed it when they saw him. Somebody has got to speak out with boldness, with out and come in with strong belief that I know he's alive. He's alive in my life and he loves you and he wants to do something about it. We need awakening in this country. We need a shaking and awakening. Micah chapter 2, verse 12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob, and I will surely gather the remnant of Israel, and I will put them together like sheep of a fold, like a flock in the midst of their pastor. And they shall make a loud noise because of so many people. The one who breaks open will come out before them. They will break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. I believe God wants this house and a lot of other ones right here, to have the breaker anointing. I believe it. Now you know you guys know more about this than I do about bicycle racers that are like on a touring race, somebody's in front, everybody else is behind them and they're, they call it drafting, right, because that person is hitting the wind, so behind them they're pedaling a little easier, but when someone wants to take the lead, they have to pull out and pedal like crazy and they make a breakaway, is that right, the right term, and then they cut in front. Well I want you to know something, the Lord is at the head, we're coming behind Him, we're in His draft, to follow him is easier than trying to do it yourself. A little skydiving analogy. I talked last night about relative work, how you join with people. If somebody's flying there in the air below you and you come in to do relative work and you're, going, you're 130 miles an hour, and uh, if you go over their back, there's a vacuum created there, and you'll fall down on top of them. You know, for about three or four feet right above them, they're splitting the air. And there's no air in there. There's a vacuum. I believe if we get close enough to Jesus, we're in that place where he is breaking through for us, but we're right there behind him, right there behind him. I believe that the church, the people that are dull of hearing and have passivity, they're nowhere near being close to Jesus for the moment when they need it. But if you stick with Jesus, he's going to split and divide the obstacles before us. We just stick closer to Jesus and just listen to it and just do all the moves that he wants us to make. And he's going to navigate us and he's going to give us breakthrough and help others come behind that way. Mary had the breaker anointing that morning. Jesus brought it to those two disciples who were processing their sorrow and were bummed out. He says, like two guys talking to each other like you're sad, the scripture says. Like two guys going into a dead church. But Jesus, having compassion on them, speaks to them. And he says, didn't his words burn in our hearts? A sm- These people, if there's a person who was ever a believer, they still have a smoldering wick and he will not be put out. All you need is to blow a little oxygen on it help fan it into flame help people get on fire in the lord again how many want to see that happen okay so we're going to i guess we're going to do a little song here barbara you ready to do this it's a song about recovery i believe our nation needs recovery i believe the body of christ needs to get in recovery i believe that these disciples that needed to process grief got recovery, and they saw Jesus. He was preparing them. He was giving them everything they needed to know. But somebody had to come and tell them the good news. I saw Jesus, and he's alive. I experienced Jesus, and he's alive in my life. I've been telling people about this in my life for 50 years, and it seems to work, and it works for me. To keep sharing about the goodness of God, about his faithfulness, about don't wait around the corner for something. Start doing something in God, and you'll sharpen your senses. It says, you have your senses sharpened through practice, through doing something. Use what you got. Use what you got, and you'll get more. Okay. We're going to do this? Does it work? This is a song about recovery, which...
1: There's a lot of wonderful
2: people in this country who've been praying for this country. Who've been loving one another but looking to the Lord. God's not going to forget about this country.
1: We need to rise up. We need to rise up. A heart of thanksgiving. I've seen the Lord. I've seen what He can do. I can feel the Lord. I can feel what He does. People ask me how did you recover from all of that stuff? Because I have the recoverer living inside
2: of me. That's the only explanation. I promise you. In anything that I did, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't smart enough. Because I have the recovery. The recoverer living inside of me. That's how I recovered. And that's how you will keep getting better and better. And you can. You, there's people that we, we can pick up. Can help. And we can get them going again. Uh, the one thing I wanted to share <clears throat> um, a number of years ago, it was about 11 or 12 years ago, I got a phone call uh, about a church that we've been friends with for a long time in a way out of the way place in southern Ohio, Chillicothe. Very powerful how I even had a relationship. I started a relationship, kept a relationship with the church for years, all the time. And uh, <clears throat> got a call that the pastor had cancer. So I immediately felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, you need to go pray for Eric. And uh, so I called, and he explained what was going on. I listened to all the you know the medical the things that was going on. And, and I said, I, you know, I really need to come. And he goes, well, we got this, this, and this. And he he kind of like said, you know, like, come in a couple of months, like, after Easter or something. It's like, well, okay. It's like, I thought I heard the Lord. Like, I was supposed to go pray for him. And so I thought, maybe that's just me being emotional, thinking, of this friend of mine gets this horrible report, and I want to go pray for him. I thought the Lord was saying, go pray for him. So about 10 minutes later, he calls, and he goes, Mickey, the Lord just spoke to me. We want you to come. So, like, it was the next week or whatever it was. It flew there to, I don't know, Maybe we were living in Mississippi. I can't remember where we were. I flew there and uh, went down to this place. This place is not, not in Chillicothe, Ohio, which was the original capital, but this is out in the country where you wouldn't even be able to find this place if you know where it was. And I go there, and their house was right around the corner, and I go in the house with his wife and him, and, and I listen to them explain what's going on. And, and the most amazing thing was, he never complained or said anything negative. You know, he had his Mr. Clean haircut. You no, know, no, his hair falling out from treatment, and all that. But so positive. They always were people of real faith that lived and experienced God in every little thing. And I'm just blown away and blessed. And he said, you know, so, you know, uh, I was gonna go back to the little hotel, which is about 20 minutes away, back towards the town. And I just was blown away by their facing this thing with such such faith and a confident attitude. And I drove out of their driveway and came around the corner of this nice little church that we actually dedicated, the new building, and had all these flags of the nations in front of them. And as I drove by, the Holy Spirit came on me like when a cop car comes with the lights on and fills my car. And the Holy Spirit says, in the eyes of the world, they would say, this is a small church. He said, this is one of my biggest churches. The heaviness of god is in the car i'm driving like this oh no you know what is it? and i find i get into the parking lot of the hotel or motel wherever it was and and it kind of it kind of lifted out of there and i go back in there and and i said that oh, was heavy it was awesome and so i say and so i got my computer and i'm starting to try and write a book okay so i put my computer on i get it started and i just was just too distracted by what just happened I can't, I said, this isn't working. I mean, all I could think about is what the Lord just said. It was like a big deal. He was like, you know, you know, God, when he talks, nobody talks like him. How many understand that? Say, how do you know it's the voice of the Lord? Well, I know that was. He said, in the eyes of the world, this is a small church. This is one of my biggest churches. Like, ugh. <laughs> you know, I, so I go in there, and so I, I, I'm trying to write. So I turn the computer on, and it's just so I, saw so way I, on it. So I, I go, I turn the TV on. says, I'll get distracted. And when this thing wears off, I'll go back and write. For some reason, I fall asleep. Lights on, TV blasting. Now, I got, where's that, where's he? He go away. Said he had problems sleeping. I, I'm, I'm such a light sleeper, I can hear a mouse pee-pee in the attic that wakes me up. <laughs> Somehow, I'm asleep. TV blasting, all the lights around this room. I wake up in the morning, I go, oh, my God, this I go to church. I to put my pants on and shaving at the same time. I go, you know, I go, what is going on? How did that happen? It's crazy. I was running around. And I go there, oh my computer. I go, I open, my computer's open, I look at it. And the Holy Spirit had written on my computer in large letters. I've sent you to these people for my specific purposes. And your life is not your own. Said about three or four other lines, I'm like. Uh, and it ends with the title of this book, The Prophetic Made Personal. And I thought I was scared the night before. No, I'm really scared. <laughs> scared the cheese whiz out of me. I mean, I was scared. It's like, whoa. And so then I go back, and all of a sudden, it's gone. I think, did that little thing pop up in my computer? It says, do you want to save the changes of this document? I said, "Did I do that?" I said, "Lord, I." He said, "You're going to save the changes of the document I've made on your life."
1: Bam. When God speaks to us, He's given us direction that's better than anything you could ever get.
2: We prayed for Erica. preached that preached that morning at church. Made it to church. It was great. The Lord healed him, but then a year or so later, something else happened and he went to be with the Lord. I don't understand that, nor do I like that. But I will never forget what God said about a little church that's in the eyes of the world. To him, he said, This is one of my biggest churches. Don't ever say, This is a small beginning. Don't ever say, How can God use me? I'm nobody. God has chosen these very things in those very ways to create breakers and starters and initiators and life changers and world changers. And you may not know it. See, what God sees and says is more accurate than what we see and say, unless we have
1: the right discernment. Now, that's a true story. Barbie, is that a true story? And
2: I actually did write the book. I don't know how after all of that, but I did. That's the title. He started it. I want to, okay. How many of you got that thing about processing sorrow? And if you don't have sorrow, you know somebody that's had it, you've had it, and you realize
1: that what gets you into the victory is experiencing the Lord. And that's
2: the news that we share is that in the midst of anything, People say, well, where's the Lord? He's the Lord. And he will, you will, he will be in your life somewhere. And He you He wants us to be the leading edge that the pressure comes off and we get lifted up. He wants that. He rejoices to see us. I'm telling you, God rejoices. Like when we, we are in worship, it moves him. When, when Jesus when when Mary of Bethany
1: moved the heart of Jesus that he wept. It was powerful. It was powerful. So, I think we should have prayer. Is it okay? We got time? We got a few more minutes? Is it okay?
2: And I, can I trouble you, Terry, to come up and, uh, are you writing a a giant thing? It's quite a thing you got there. (laughs) It looks like something I invented. How many love the Lord? How many are convinced that Jesus is for you and His provision for you? He leaves nothing out. He gives you what you need and He wants you to be activated in who you are. And He wants you to, if there's sorrow in your life or sorrow in someone else, know that the Lord is on your side. If you're experiencing sorrow, He's aware of it and He wants you to get delivered out of it, to get free from it so they said, there's stuff that's painful. those people that had a real listen to there's almost three thousand names today they read them all day, family members, people they knew, some of those people are still processing sorrow, and in the church, yes, we do that, but we sh- we should have we have a living hope, we have a living hope. Peter writes that we are partakers of his divine nature. sounds like an exaggeration, but i 've experienced being a partaker of his divine nature. You've experienced it too, or you wouldn't be here. And there's more. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this house. And I just declare that this house will operate in the breaker anointing.
1: That that these people are activated
2: and not passive we just asked Lord as we were singing that song about the wind blowing Lord we asked for a fresh baptism of your love fresh baptism of your spirit Jesus as you said to the disciples over and over about the love of the Father and that your love in you is in us and that your Father loves us the same love that He loves you. That you, being the body of Christ, the Father Himself loves you. Now, if there's some of you here that when you listened, About processing sorrow. You're aware that there's some in your life that you need to process. And I'm not going to make light of it that there's anything wrong with you. But if you need for us to agree with you that you're going to process the sorrow and get it lifted off the right way and the right timing, I want to pray for you because I know what it's like (laughs) to be under pressure and to have sorrow. Sit of Jesus. He was a man of sorrows, created, acquainted with grief. But he doesn't want us to stay in that spot. He wants us to recover. He wants us to recover. If you're here and you're processing sorrow in your own life, we need to be sensitive to that. Anybody that comes up here, this is a real important time for us to focus on them with the love of God. So is there anybody else you need to process sorrow? It's just all. just let's go into a real place of intercession praying for people. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your testimony of loving us. and No greater love can there be that you lay down your life for us. The Lord, we're coming before you as people who are aware that there's sorrow. It's causing weariness amongst people. We ask for your help right now. You know, when the Lord said to his disciples, I won't leave you like orphans. That's literal. God is our Father. At this world, it says, you know, he said to his disciples, you're not of this world. You know, we are of the kingdom of God. We're, we're walking around on the earth. And we're, there's things that buffet us. But I tell you, my heart is moved If anybody hears it. If there's anything that I can ever do for anybody, to see them get lifted up. I, I'm, I'm so privileged to be able to see that happen. People don't even know, stuff I'll never even hear. And it doesn't, like that song says, not everybody survives. I'd like to have every report be a successful one. But I could just point people to Jesus and I can, be, I can be a hand for Jesus and I can be a, a voice for Jesus and I can be a shepherd for Jesus. But the best thing is for people to personally have a communion and a relationship with Jesus that's as intimate as he describes. Someone said once, it's probably true, that people are as close to God as they want to be. I think that the passivity that I spoke of tonight, the dullness, is because people have drifted away, got tamed down, got dull, and kind of like it makes you sleepy. I'm not talking about you have to be wild all the time, but we don't want to be dull. And we don't certainly don't want to be full of so much sorrow that it's draining. All this clamor that's in all these people yelling and screaming and name, filthy name calling, and the last two political debates. It's embarrassing. It's like the movie Animal House, which I never even saw. It's, it's, people don't even treat each other with any kind of dignity, but we are different. We're going to be different because we've been chosen to be different. We are being made different by the only one that actually can remake us. I am not like I used to be. I wasn't ever like this, and I'm not, I'm not what I want to be all the way. I I want to be Christ-like in His image. and I, I, I know that in my life I've been Christ-like and I also know that I have failed. And I've had bursts and I've had seasons and I can tell you I don't like it that way. I like to be in the Spirit. I like the joy of the Lord. I like... Being doing something that I believe in and it's valuable. And I really believe in this. I believe in this. If there's anybody else that needs prayer, now's a good time. It doesn't have to be about sorrow. If you have a prayer need right now and you want to respond, I just invite you to come up. But I want to encourage you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't be inactive. If you have to do something on your own, walk around in the street, get alone with the Lord, put on you, do something to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit inside you. It says, "Kindle afresh, flan." There's something that you can do with the help of God, but you don't have to stay where you are. You can be stirred up into a place of spiritual encounter. It makes all the difference. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank God for a place like this. I thank God for this house. I thank God that I am I'm never going to forget these days. This is part of my life experience. And my life experience in God reminds me all the time that with God, all things are possible. That change is here to stay, but God wants to change to make things better. He wants to make you stronger. He wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of the joy of the Lord. And and the Lord needs you to represent Him to a world that hasn't seen Jesus, hasn't heard Jesus, doesn't really know Jesus. He wants you to represent Him into a world really, and there's many that are even in churches that are full of sorrow. We need the joy of the Lord. and I'm not talking about silliness. I'm talking about His joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Something good happens. Something good happens in your life. You have a blessing or a job or a good answer or maybe a financial thing or a healthy thing or a happy thing. Joy is eternal. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy is based on the eternal life and the, the never-ending love of God and the promise that he says, and he prays, said, Father, I desire that where I am, they'll be with me. What kind of better promise? Do you know that where Jesus is is where you're going to want to be? That's where you're going to really like it. Father, I desire. Can you hear him say that? His passion for you to his father is a sure word of prophecy father I just thank you for your goodness I thank you Lord I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for every person in here I pray Lord give us dreams visions personal encounters I thank you Lord God you're the spirit of truth that truth is a person it's not a philosophy Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I just want to thank you for my brother. There's an increase coming upon you. You will write songs. You're going to say things, but you're going to find great joy in raising up others and activating others. And I believe there's, a, there's an in here and there's an out there. And there's going, to be, there's going to be a more that the river is going to flow out of the temple. The river flows out of the temple. There's going to be an outreach. There's going to be an outreach. There's going to be a penetrating outreach. There's going to be ice breaking. There's going to be sound dynamics. Father, I pray, God, stimulate this one. The God give, given of imagination is yours in abundance. Your mind flies around. Like a wheel of fortune. <laughs> Pictures, words, numbers happen so fast that somehow you think you can keep track of it. It's okay. God gets a kick out of you. Bring me a minstrel. Burn that in your heart. Burn it in your heart. God doesn't make junk. Don't ever denigrate yourself. God has created people for his good pleasure. I think, what is he? Is he selfish? No. What's good for you is what pleases God. It's really what's good for you. Lord, I just thank you that you're going to increase gifting and confidence in individuals, you're going to define. Things and you're going to bring true, accurate discernment. And you're going to bring solutions by the Spirit. And there's a gate opening in the realm of the Spirit. There's a gate opening in the realm of the Spirit. The former things have come to fast, come to pass. The new things are coming. And before they are visible, I declare to you, you're going to start seeing things, knowing things, and feeling things that God's about to do. Write them down. Write down your own personal mission statement. Even if it's just simply, I am here for you, Lord. I will do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I am ready, Lord, to step into into a new dimension. Volunteer freely, and God will use you. Ask for what you need, and he'll help you have it. But there's something new happening. The former things have come to pass. It's a new day, a new season, a new time, and God is going to, there's a gate opening. There's a gate opened, and the Lord will make it clear how that applies to your life individually and to this house corporately. And I bless that in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So, God bless you. I love you guys. I love your furniture. I love your dogs if you have one. Your dust, I like that too. I love you guys. America needs true believers, believing believers who are not ashamed to fully express the love of God and His power. Let's do it.